Welcome to church. Easter Sunday. It's here, Brian. Come on. There you go. I hope you uh, you guys are doing well today. Good morning, latecomers. No, got the 11 o'clock service, and uh, this is our, our third service this morning, so it's pretty exciting. And um, the guys who are preaching and the worship team getting better every time. So you guys, get, we save the best for last. Amen. Amen. All right. Cool. Well, um, welcome to uh, the the uh, joint uh, presentation this morning with Hill City Church and the gathering. And uh, we're so honored you guys came to be here. And uh, we're really uh, we got John and Colin. They're going to both speak to us today, and they're they're getting better and better. So, Amen. Man, I was just think about that last song, um, just the reckless love of God. And uh, I, I just challenge you guys to go through this. I'm, this might sound weird, but can I challenge you to be a little bit reckless in your belief this morning? That as you go through and there's some challenging things and there's some, there's some things that happened 2,000 years ago that might be a bit hard to swallow and Colin's going to talk about it. But man, I just, just pray, God, I just pray for a faith this morning that this thing that I've, ch- I've been challenged with, that I'm going to might be a little bit reckless and maybe believe in this thing. Amen? Amen. And we believe that not because we're asking you to be false or in disingenuous, but just that we believe that a God came, that he died and he rose and forever changed humanity, forever changed my life and so many people that come into this, this building and around the globe. And I'm excited about that message. I'm excited about that. If you're new, uh, we have these newcomer cards right in front of you. And if this is your first time here, you come, you come a couple times, you haven't filled out one of these cards, please fill this out. It's really easy. Name, phone, email. We won't spam you. We promise. Uh, you know, we're not going to take your information and sell it to Facebook or something like that. Uh, <laughs> but we're gonna do, we just want to reach out to you and, and help answer any questions that you guys have of us. And uh, not just a, a, a cold call, but if, if there's a canopy out there in the back. Uh, we have a little gift that we'd love to give you. And uh, there's folks who are wearing the black shirts that say hello on them. And ladies, I won't, let, I won't have you stand up this time. But if you find someone with those black shirts, uh, please reach out to them or, or, or any, anybody out at the canopy. And if, this, if you're a regular attender of the gathering or Hill City Church, uh, and, and we're not, we're not going to pass around the, the giving uh, baskets today, so there's going to be some uh, baskets in the back. A lot of you give online, but if you want to give, there's giving cards in front of you, and you can give by check cash, and we'll have some baskets in the back. At the end of service, you can feel free to drop that in. I think you got everything. Cool. Well, uh, we're going to keep going here, and uh, I'm going to challenge you. As I said, just lean into today. If you're, if you're a believer and you've you followed Jesus for a long time, uh, this is a fresh message. It's good. And if you're on the fence or this, this Jesus thing is new to you, I just ask you to lean in, uh, challenge yourself, maybe be a bit reckless in your thinking, and, uh, man, just believe this, this God that we follow and um, just challenge you with that. Amen? Tell the person next to you, you look fantastic today. Amen. Amen. And there's a lot of you uh, tuning in online too. So welcome to all our people who are tuning in literally from around the world who tune tune into our services. So welcome to those online and uh, happy Easter. I'm going to pray. We'll keep going. God, thank you for this morning, this special day in our faith that we get to celebrate the resurrected life of Jesus and how that just changed everything. And so, God, we, we prepare our, our mind, our soul, our heart, everything in us, God. We, we just challenge ourselves to be open to your message today, that it can actually change us even in this moment. So, God, we pray for, for roots that go down deep throughout the rest of the service. And uh, we love you. We give this service to you, God, and we glorify you today and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please watch this video. 
Saddest ever. I know, some of you guys are in tears. This is my third time watching it, it still messes me up. Because at the end of the day, that's the human story, right? Well, all of us, we know what it means to go through life. We know what it means to have that adventure book. How many of you guys have an adventure book or like a list of goals that we say, we're going to do this. We're going to do this, I swear. Uh, yeah, me too. I, I was telling these guys the other day, it was a couple months back, I started going down uh, every year. Once, once a year, I'll look at my, uh, my goals, my life goals. My, I, I'm weird. I have uh, life goals, I have 10-year goals, and I have five-year goals, right? And then, uh, and then we have, I just do this stuff, all right? But I was just knocking out the goals, and I was reading all the goals that I did hit. I was like, oh, these are good things. Like, six-pack by my 40s was on that list, but I, obviously it's not going there yet, right? But I was looking at goals that I had for my, my, my grandmother, and uh, I, was, I started reading through these goals, and my grandma passed away several years ago, and I said, all these things I wish I could have done with her, right, it can no longer exist. It can no longer play out. See, today, Colin and I, we have the privilege of speaking to you this, on this Easter day. But uh, what we're going to speak about is our story. Our story. Like this story, there's a lot of things we have been through, even this year. Some of you guys know what it means to go through infertility. Some of you guys know what it means to go through loss and be the only one holding that single balloon. I was like, that is the worst, right? You, you, it makes you so, like, you can feel it. And, and that's a human story. We have big dreams and aspirations of family, of travel, of achievement, going to Venezuela like these guys. Yet, like this clip, we also know 
when our dreams and our plans are deterred, we have detours and bumps and bruises and tears and joys. We know what it means. It makes me laugh every time they break the jar, right? I'm like, I know how that goes. We, we were going to do that. But then we had to break the jar because something had to happen. If it was a flat tire or one thing or another, right? It might have been even sickness. That's a real, that was a real thing. And when I was thinking about sickness, I was like, I, I remember those moments of tears when we have to deal with sickness together, right? Life doesn't always go as planned. I know I'm speaking to a mixed group of people. Some of you guys, you guys, are, you believe in Jesus. Some of you guys, you guys do not. Other you guys are on the fence. Is this thing real? If God, if you're real, please show me. Please lead me. Please speak to my heart. And my hope is today is that you would be open to listen. That's it. Because we all need hope. And for many people in this room, this, this desire, this, this longing, this, uh, this uh, wanting to find hope has led us to Jesus. And we've been praying for you today. Praying that God speaks to your heart about the hope of Easter and that that would begin your hope too. If you have your Bibles today, please turn to John 11. All right. So we celebrate the word of God around here because we believe the word of God reveals Jesus and Jesus changes our lives. See, in John 11, 25 to 26, and they're going to put that up. It says, Jesus said to her, and he's saying to us today that I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing or trusting in me will never die. Do you believe this, he asked to her. And then he asked us, do you trust me? Do you trust me? I think that's the big question. See, everyone has a story. And, and for some of your stories, it's in a quest, right? And for some of your stories, it's, uh, you feel like it's a comedy. You're like, is my story a comedy, right? Or is it a rebirth, these moments of rebirth? Or some of us, we're in, in, in a, a time of our lives that we feel like our story is a tragedy. Some of us, yeah, you're like, yeah, I know how that feels, right? Some of us, we're at the intro. We know, we're like, we're, we're young, we're in our young 20s, maybe you're 18 years old, and things are going good. Things are starting to come together. Some of you guys are at the end of your story, and you're like, oh, I, I've been through that. I know how that feels. And others of us, middle, hoping that the next page is coming soon. And listen, there are pages in our story that we wish we could rip out. Isn't that true? Just think about your life. Is there pages in your story that you wish you could rip out? Like if your life was a book, you wish you're like, oh, I'm going to, no, I don't want that in there. I remember that was tons of pain. I don't want to do that, right? You want to you rip out, oh, I remember when I went through addiction. That was horrible, right? Oh, I remember when my third grade girlfriend uh, broke up with me. Don't want to go through that again, right? You start ripping out these pages of your life. And then, oh, I don't want that either, right? Oh, feels like we're ripping out all the middle pages. We want the beginning and we want the end. We're like, I know how the story started. But what happens when you, imagine with me, if you ripped out all the pages of your story that you didn't like, what would your story even be about? Would you even understand it? Can you imagine reading Harry Potter, right? This is my, this is my son's collection. I said, I'm taking your books today, right? And, and, and this is what, the Deathly Hollow. No, this is Half-Blood Prince, and then if you don't know, it's, it's Snape, all right? Uh, well, I gave it away, all right? Um, but, but just imagine with me, you're like reading through this, you're like, oh, I don't like where Ron kisses Hermione. Harry should have got Hermione, right? That's what I always thought. Then I watched the movies. I'm not going to rip this out. I'm like my son, he would be like, what are you doing, Dad? But imagine ripping out those moments, the moments where Harry Potter's uh, parents die, 
right? The moments of Voldemort, the moments of tears. What if you ripped out all those pages? What would you have? It would not be a fun story even to tell. Would you even tell that story? What would you have left? What is story without all those moments of between, of struggle, of tension, the dark, the light, the mountaintops, the fears, the tears. Can you imagine, for others of you who are not into Lord of the Rings, right? I was like, I was going to talk about Lord of the Rings more, and my wife Candace says, not everyone likes those nerd books, John, right? It's just like, not everyone likes Lord of the Rings and, and Harry Potter and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which I really enjoy. So I said, well, all right, for others of you who enjoy Frozen, right? What if Anna and Elsa really did build a snowman, right? They built 20 snowmen. They built a snow fort as well. They had snowball fights. But that means, right, all of Arendelle was happily ever after, right? And, but that means there's no Olaf. Can you imagine Frozen without Olaf, right? There's no singing, let it go, because she's already let it go, right? You don't need to go up to the mountains and let it go. She don't need to let it go, because why let it go when you're best friends, right? And there's no Kristoff or Sven or trolls singing love songs, which I could do without, right? You guys were like, what is that? What are you talking about? But that is a story without journey. And a story without journey never really makes sense because every story you read and every story you ask grandpa and grandma and people in your life, there's always a journey. And in the lows, we learn a lot, and it helps us climb to the highs, right? I don't know where you are in your story, but a story needs all of that. Just like your life. What if you, in your life, you were a character? But this story is not about you. Our story is a part of a greater story of God. And just because you don't understand your story doesn't mean God doesn't know what's going on. I mean it right? Just what if God is up to something in your life, and he can take our lives and our pages, our broken dreams, those moments of tears and fears, right? And he can take all our pages and rewrite our story. Because in the Bible, it says that he is the author and finisher of our faith. So if you're here today, your story ain't over. I was thinking that. Our story isn't over, God is not finished with you, and that is a beautiful thing, that, that he can put it all back together again. See, all the king's horses, I was, it was another story, and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty together again. See, we try to get our life put together by people just around us, right? Well, you can, can you help put my life together again? But I believe there's an eternal story, something about our soul that only God can meet. Only God can put our life together again. And see, this single story, the main story, is a, is a story about Jesus. And we know him for 33 years. Jesus, he worked as a blue-collared man. He ran his family business. He was a carpenter. He was fixing things. Think about it. He was fixing chairs, fixing tables and beds. And then at the age of 30, he began to fix people's lives, began to preach, disciple young men. And, and, and he started saying, heaven is coming. God's about to change everything. Do you believe this? And then all of a sudden, tra tragedy strikes. And the, at the height of Jesus' fame and teaching, he's arrested, he's beaten, taken by the Roman officials, and then he's condemned to die. But listen, even the story of Jesus doesn't go as we would have wrote it. 
God's idea of good is not always our idea of good. His ways are higher than our ways. Yet on that dark day, Jesus was crucified, hung on a Roman cross, which goes against our happily ever after, doesn't it? And he cries out and he screams out, it is finished. I mean, what happened there? It's not supposed to happen that way. What happened to all that promised talk of heaven and of hope? The truth is, our circumstances in the moments, our confusion, our despair is nothing new to God. If you're in this room and that's how you feel, it's nothing new to God. The story might look like it's coming to an end. The followers running away, right? The curtains are closing. The credits are about to roll. Yet God, in God fashion, does not let this story end here. Because he knows, listen, listen, without death, there is no life. And without winter, there could be no spring. The moment in the story where all hope is lost, it seems like the story is over. Jesus came and said he was bringing the kingdom of God. He was doing something. And now he's dead. It's over. It's done. But like any good story, this story has a twist. For three days, three days of hopelessness, three days of darkness, three days of sadness, Jesus was dead. But on the third day, something happened that no one could have predicted. Jesus rose from the dead. He was resurrected. The tomb was empty. This wasn't the end of the story. This was only the beginning. Maybe you're here this morning and you think, man, that feels unlikely. It's like, that sounds great. It sounds, um, someone rising from the dead, wouldn't that be amazing? But people don't do that. People don't come back from the, de- from, from the dead. Death is the end. That's it. And, and if you feel that way this morning, if that's where you're at, that you're in good company. You feel exactly the same way that the people in the first century uh, felt. They knew that people didn't come back from the dead. They weren't just seeing people resurrected all around them all the time. They weren't more gullible than us. They knew it. Resurrection is impossible. It's too good to be true. But we have these accounts we have eyewitnesses. We have this movement that started that has, that has started because of this event, the resurrection, a movement that has only exploded in the last 2,000 years because these people became convinced. I know it sounds crazy. I know that it's impossible. I know that it's insane, but we really actually believe that Jesus died and actually came back from the dead. Oftentimes in church, we talk about uh, the resurrection of Jesus as kind of like a, some, kind of like a magic trick. Jesus came, he, he, he said, and he did all these things. He even said that he was God, and then he needed some kind of a sign to, 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 to prove that he was who he said he was. And so he died, and then he rose from the grave, and then boom, you know, because of this miracle, it proves that he was what he, who he said he was, and that everything that he said was true. And certainly that's that's true, right? If Jesus rose again, then we have really good reason. Uh, um, sorry, we also have really good reason historically to believe that he did rise from the dead, as crazy as that sounds. Certainly it means that he was really special, that he really was God. If this thing happened, he really was who he said he was. But for the early followers of Jesus, the resurrection meant much more than that. The Apostle Paul is writing to this group of believers in the city of Corinth where some people are suggesting the resurrection, it's too good uh, to be true. It's too outlandish to believe. And Paul's writing to them and he writes this in 1 Corinthians 15, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, 
the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Paul says, listen, actually Jesus has been raised from the dead. And not only that, he's the first fruits of everyone who is be going to be resurrected. It's like first fruits. It's like, well, what, is, what does that mean? In the Old Testament, the first fruits was the, the first agricultural produce of the season, and it was offered up to God as an offering. It was a sign of, of Israel's uh, obedience and reverence for God and his provision um, this, of this first yield of the field. And uh, more importantly, for our purpose today, purposes today, it was a guarantee of the harvest to come. You see, the early church didn't see what happened to Jesus as this sort of random kind of anomalous event. They saw it as a sign of what was going to come. The majority of the Jewish people in the first century believed that one day God was going to come and he was going to resurrect his people. And not just spiritually, but actually physically. God, one day God was going to come and he was going to give people renewed bodies so that they could work and they could play and they could have community with each other and community with him and live this life that they were always meant to live. So when they saw that Jesus had been resurrected, they realized this isn't just random. This isn't just kind of a random thing that happened. Jesus was the first one to be resurrected of everyone who is going to be resurrected. He's the first fruits, the first yield of a great harvest. And uh, since most of us in the room aren't, aren't farmers, I'm guessing, and, and uh, you know, can't, this idea of the first fruits might not be super relatable, I thought of a more uh, relatable metaphor in, in, in our crazy Colorado housing market. Jesus is the down payment of the resurrection. He's evidence that there are many more mortgage payments of resurrection to come. So it's, like, it's a weird metaphor, but I, I, I guarantee you that you're going to remember it. So uh, Jesus Jesus' resurrection is the start of the climax of the story. One day as Christians, we believe that those who follow Jesus will be resurrected to life, and not only spiritually, but bodily. But that's not all. The twist in this story gets even crazier. Paul writes this, he says, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn... Christ, the first fruits. Then, when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God, the Father, to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, all authority, and all power. For he must reign until he has put his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. The early church not only believed that people would be resurrected when Jesus comes back, but that the whole world would be resurrected. All the pain in the world, all the darkness, all the pain, and then sickness and brokenness, someday Jesus is going to heal it. Paul says that Jesus will destroy all dominion, all authority, all power um, in the world. And in, what that means is he's going to defeat injustice. He's going to defeat abuse. He's going to stop the wickedness in, in the world and the hurt that we've all seen, that we've all experienced ourselves, that we've grieved over. And he's going to reign as king of the world. His kingdom's going to be a place of love and wholeness and health and creativity, and goodness, and family. That's the resolution of the story. That's how the story will end. 
Paul writes that the last enemy that King Jesus will defeat is death. That's the villain that was introduced in the first act of the story. And that's the villain that was introduced in the first act of your story, of each of our stories. We've all experienced pages in our story that we wish that we could rip out, that we'd rather didn't happen. We've all experienced the hurt of the world. We've all experienced grief. We've all experienced loss. We've all experienced hopelessness. We've all experienced loneliness. King Jesus' vision is a world healed from those things, healed from death. He's going to build a world of peace and love and beauty. Someday, the Christian hope is what we're waiting for is for King Jesus to return and resurrect us and resurrect the whole world. That's our hope this Easter morning. But the biblical authors don't write as though, you know, we're simply meant to kind of just hang out and wait for that day that we just kind of twiddle our thumbs as, as, as we just wait for that to come. No, in fact, they believed that the way that the story was actually happening, the way that it happened with Jesus was actually already quite a twist in the story. They had not expected it would happen this way. They had expected that resurrection was all going to happen at once, that God was going to come, he was going to resurrect everyone, and, and, and that was going to be at the end of the story. But that's, that's not how it happened. Jesus was resurrected in the first century, and we as the church look forward to the day that he will ultimately heal us and the whole world. They realized that there was a reason for this. Resurrection is a story. Resurrection is a story. And if you walk away with anything this morning, I want you to walk away with this. The resurrection isn't only something that happened. It's a story that's happening. The resurrection isn't only a something that happened. It's a story that's happening. The resurrection of Jesus is the proof that God's resurrection has already begun. The world is being resurrected. Your life, your hurt, your story can be resurrected this morning. And God chose to write this climax of the story, this twist, in such a strange way because he wants to invite you to be a part of the story of resurrection. Jesus taught that the kingdom of God is in our midst. He taught that heaven literally rushes in whenever we participate in God's new resurrection way of doing things, when we love people with extravagant generosity, when we forgive each other radically, when we, uh, when we tangibly meet the needs of people who need our help, when we destroy the loneliness in our communities as we welcome people into the family of God with open arms. Heaven literally rushes in. As we do this, as we bring about the kingdom of God, we we are bringing Jesus' resurrection life to a world that needs it. As we close this morning, as we bring our time uh, to an end this morning, I, I, you know, we might come on a Sunday, Easter Sunday morning and we might um, uh, you know, sing and celebrate that Jesus has defeated death. But maybe in the back of our minds, we're wondering, in what sense has Jesus defeated death? In what sense has he defeated death? When we look out in the world around us and we see so much hurt still, and we see so much suffering, and we see so much broken and we, brokenness, and we experience so much loss in our lives. Think about it this way. Imagine a blackened field where there's no life. It's barren, it's destroyed. Death is reigning over that field. And then a flower pops up. 
And then another flower pops up, and then another one, and another one, and another one, and another one, and flowers are appearing all throughout the field. Life is spreading. Resurrection is spreading. That's the kingdom of God. That's what the kingdom of God is like. Yes, there are parts of this world that are still dead. Yes, there are parts of this world that are still broken, but life is spreading. As people who are invited into Jesus' vision for the world spread life and love and community and reconciliation in the world, it can no longer be said that death is in charge. Death has been defeated. And one day Jesus will return and finally heal this world and death will be utterly and completely consumed by life. Jesus invites us this morning to be a part of that story. The resurrection isn't only something that happened. It's a story that's happening. Are you looking for purpose this morning? Are you looking for meaning? Are you looking for hope? Are you looking for the twist in your story? Are you looking for that moment, that twist in the story when all of the bad pages, all of a sudden they actually mean something? Your life could be an amazing story, a story of resurrection. That's what Jesus is inviting each of us into today. He's inviting us to join in the story of resurrection, to find meaning and purpose in taking part of Jesus' story of healing in the world, in making this world look like Jesus' way of doing things. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel that need and you feel that need to be a part of a story bigger than yourself, to find purpose and meaning. And we want to get you connected. Man, that's my, this is my story. I, I, I grew up, I was, I was lonely, I was, I was bullied, I was, I, was, I was without hope, I was isolated, and I was just kind of drifting on and I, and I, didn't, I, didn't, I couldn't find a story to live for. And then this youth pastor came and he reached out to me and just invited me uh, out to ice cream. And it's such a simple moment. And it, but I look back at that moment when I was, when I was a kid and, and I, I think, and I know that that was the moment that changed the trajectory of my whole life. Because not only was I being invited into to kind of make some intellectual claims, I believe this, I believe this, but I was invited into a family. I was invited into a community of people who said, we're living out this story. We're living out this resurrection story. And I want to invite you, if, if, if you haven't experienced that moment yet of connection, to lean into this community. We've got connection cards in the back of your chairs. And if you bring them to the tent outside, we want to get you in, in a family. We want to get you in a, in a life group. We want to connect with you. We want to see you connected with the family of God. And if you're here this morning and you are part of the family of God, you can create that moment for the people around you. You can create moments, pockets of heaven, moments of Jesus' resurrection in your world, in our workplaces. So may we, this morning as we go into our weeks, may we join in this resurrection story. May we find that our bad pages find meaning in this story. And may we find that resurrection isn't only something that happened, it's a story that's happening. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we love your story. We love, really, Jesus, we love you. We love who you are. And we love that you haven't given up on humanity, as, as John said. You haven't given up on us. That your love is reckless, God. That you went out of your way to save us and to save this world by bringing resurrection through your son, Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you.
for what this morning represents and that we celebrate you, we celebrate your resurrection and the life that it means for this world. And Jesus, we believe in your vision for this world. So Holy Spirit, meet us in this place, empower us to create your resurrection in the world as we go into our weeks. And Jesus, we just want you to know that we love you and we honor you this morning for all these things. And everyone said, amen. Happy Easter. Let's give God a round of applause this morning.